0: at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Dr Dinesh Palapana's refusal to accept the loss of his dream is paving the way not only for him but for people with a disability around the world to also achieve theirs. In 2010, halfway through completing his medical degree, Dinesh's car crashed on the Gateway Motorway, leaving him a quadriplegic. Dinesh lost all sensory and motor function below his chest, affecting his fingers and half his arm. It took him seven months of recovering in hospital, emerging still determined to become a doctor. He finished medical school in 2016 and has worked at the Gold Coast University Hospital ever since. He was the hospital's Junior Doctor of the Year in 2018. Despite winning numerous awards and spending time at Harvard Medical School in the U.S., Dinesh has had to overcome many hurdles, but hopes his experience helps others who follow by showing the benefits of inclusive employment for all. Through the group he helped found, Doctors with Disabilities Australia, Dinesh supported some of his Indian peers in an Indian High Court case last year, challenging the Medical Council of India's decisions around medical education and disabilities. Dinesh received an Order of Australia Medal for Service to Medicine in 2018 and has just given evidence to the Disability Royal Commission about the impact of COVID-19 on people with disabilities, something he saw firsthand in his role as an emergency ward doctor at one of the busiest departments in Australia. He hopes his story inspires everyone to think about the universe a little differently and to give people a shot. Dinesh, Welcome to Streets of Your Town.
1: Thank you for having me. How exciting. It's my uh, fourth year as a doctor now, so I'm a resident.
0: What about this year with with COVID? I mean, what an incredible year to be a resident at Gold Coast.
1: It's an incredible year to be a resident anyway. I think. It's just wild. It's an unprecedented time. I think historically we've had a few pandemics affecting humanity, but this is a proper global issue that uh, affects everyone and all doctors definitely.
0: Hopefully a once in a century one do you think is this really it's it's certainly it's been incredibly disruptive hasn't it?
1: It's been disruptive but I think disruption I mean you know the loss of life and the loss of livelihoods and all these sad things have happened around the world but disruption also causes us to grow and I think it's changed society and hopefully We'll change the way we work, we'll change the way we function, but we're at a point where we have the technology and uh, skills and resources to change the way we deliver healthcare as well. So hopefully, if this happens again, we'll be able to deal with it much quicker and much better.
0: What sort of changes have you seen already?
1: I think we've seen a lot of changes in society. I mean, for example, the amount of influenza that we're seeing has reduced significantly so you know we know by behaving slightly differently we can reduce the incidence of these diseases and influenza too kills a lot of people every year i guess the other exciting thing is we are racing to create a vaccine so maybe in the future uh, we can respond to infectious diseases much quicker by having these vaccine pipelines in place uh, and therapies as well and i think we're learning a lot about how medicine works for example, there was a lot of literature that came out about COVID initially. So we're learning about how to trawl through this data, how to think about evidence a bit differently, how to be more critical about what we do. Um, there was a whole thing around hydroxychloroquine, for example. So it it's taught us a lot, I think, and it's just taught society a lot as well
0: it must be frustrating for you i imagine as a doctor to hear some of the more outrageous theories that go around and to try and educate people in an emerging environment it must be really challenging
1: it is and i think it is from a public health perspective i think it's challenging from a social perspective but me personally the way i see it is that we have access to information and everyone has access to information what's really important is that from school ages we just need to train people on how to critically evaluate information and make decisions based on that information i think you know we used to memorize a lot of information back in the day Mm. but now all of it's out there so memorizing all these swathes of information is probably not the most useful thing what is useful is the ability to critically analyze and assess information I think that that's an important thing that's going to be critical for society in the future some of these things um, people are very passionately believe certain philosophies and certain information and I guess it's a losing battle to try and convince someone of something I think the more important thing is to have some discourse and work with each other until a time comes where everyone in our society can evaluate information
0: and are you glad that you were so determined to go into medicine even despite the hurdles that you've overcome
1: i love it yeah when you find your purpose and i think medicine is my purpose because it's something that just resonates with me i love what we get to do every day the other day i was at work and i was roaming around i was just thinking i can't believe that this is what i do for a living it's amazing you're just looking around in the busy emergency department, you're seeing patients, you're you're thinking about the patient that you are dealing with and you think, wow, I get to play a part in this person's journey. It's funny, you know, because we see so many people. There's sometimes, you know, between three to 500 people that go throughout emergency department a day. And for a lot of those people or for... Uh, for at least some of those people, they're going through a big event in their life. Maybe the big event, maybe that big diagnosis or maybe a heart attack or huge trauma, whatever. And we often see a patient, we see this trauma and we see this hardship and then you just got to pack up and keep seeing the next patient. And I think um, it's important to reflect on that because... What you're playing a part on is someone's whole world and that's, that's that's a privilege and it's really important, I think.
0: I mean, you speak of these pivotal life moments, Dinesh. You've had this very much from your own perspective. It must be incredible to be able to apply that. Ten years ago, can you reflect on that a bit and yeah. where you were then as to now and, and yeah. that journey?
1: I can't believe that... I'm here now talking to you. It's funny that we're talking about this today because about four or five days ago, one of my friends and colleagues had a motorbike accident and suffered a spinal cord injury. And it just made me reflect back because it is such a dark time. It was just so destructive um to the world around me to my family to everything and it was just heartbreaking to see my friend having to go through this very same thing you just uh for me back then anyway it's very hard to see the light I, I used to love being outside and i used to be outdoor i actually was so restless that I couldn't even sleep in my bed every day. I'd find like sleep on the couch, sleep on the floor. I just liked that variety. and you know, So suddenly I was in a hospital bed and I remember looking out one day. It was cloudy. And I remember looking out the window and thinking, I don't know when I'll be outside again and I don't know what my life's going to be like and I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And then to be here... Ten years later, uh, talking to you and playing a part in the Royal Commission and working as a doctor and doing the research. It's – I am so damn lucky.
0: And credit to you as well for – can you tell us, give us an insight of the mental – how did you get over those dark days?
1: I don't know, to be honest – I think uh one of the interesting twists of fortune in this whole story is when i when I was studying law, I went through a significant period of depression and anxiety and panic disorder and also agoraphobia where I was afraid to go outside the house for a while it was that was actually really, really bad and I always like to say that um I was a prisoner of my mind then, and this point is really important and it should tell us how debilitating mental health disorders are because i felt more debilitated then and i was more debilitated then than i ever was after the spinal cord injury so i was a prisoner of my mind and that was a far worse thing Um, but that it was actually that journey that led me into medicine in the first place and i think the strength i was able to build from there or at least the experience helped me paddle through those uh dark waters after the spinal cord injury as well it was hard it was hard i spent a lot of time staring at the ceiling i spent a lot of time staring into the ocean and i spent a lot of time reflecting on life but At one point, though, I made a decision that I I just wanted this to mean something and I wanted to come out of it better. And uh, I read about this concept recently called Alive Time and Dead Time. And it was in a book, and it talked about how Malcolm X was this hoodlum before he went to jail. And he used that jail time to reinvent himself. And apparently he once said that, When he was in jail, he felt more free than ever. And he expanded his mind and he became who he is afterwards. And I made a decision at some point after I had the spinal cord injury that I was going to be a better person and I was going to do more and I was going to come out better. And that that really helped.
0: It reminds me of uh, a quote of yours from a TEDx talk that I saw that, that stuck with me, I believe. I'll see if I can get this right. But where you said that you saw medicine as exercising your intellect. So does that yeah. fit in with, with that as yeah, well? So that, that overcame any physical limitations.
1: Exactly. And medicine is really an intellectual activity. You know, more than a... Uh, I mean, of course, you have specialties like surgery and whatever else that's a, more, a, um, more a hands-on activity. But medicine, is, it, it's very importantly and intellectual activity. So, um, you know, it's a perfect thing.
0: It was a struggle, though, at times, wasn't it, To, It sounds like almost to get other people to believe that you could keep doing medicine. It was
1: a struggle. It was... Uh, fortunately, I had more people that believed in it than not, but the people that didn't believe in it, and I still come across it sometimes, um, were very loud in there naysaying I suppose but yeah I, I'm, I'm glad that we persisted and that I had a good close valued group of people behind me to make this work and you know what it was also the community it was other doctors it was um, the media so I think it was, I'm really thankful that all these people thought that it was a worthwhile thing talking about.
0: Has it been confronting for you at times to see the discrimination that people with a disability still face, such as for yourself, uh, trying to continue your medicine, and that took such a a long time. But even, I I imagine you would see it in your work as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, I'm disappointed to see discrimination that anyone faces, actually. Um, And there's a reason for that. I, uh, you know, I, I had a bunch of barriers coming through medicine not so much through medical school but getting the job and whatever else but at, while I've been working as a doctor I've sadly noticed that some of my female colleagues say that they face significant barriers getting by in their career because they're female and some of my female colleagues say that's not the case but some say that you know I've experienced this this and this and um, I know i've personally seen in a couple of rotations where they've had more barriers thrown at them that that made their job significantly harder than mine was and I think that's really sad to see uh, that kind of thing so I think discrimination in any form is not a great thing
0: Looking back over 10 years, would you say that it's improved? Have attitudes improved over that time?
1: We're definitely making a lot of headway. We're changing policies in Australia. We're changing policies overseas. I actually think that this is the ripe time to do this. We have the NDIS. We have all these huge social changes happening. So to talk about this topic now is the perfect time. But what we really need... Is everyone to play a part? Is everyone to call out when something's wrong? Um, Is for everyone to do it? Like every single person needs to talk up. I came across two medical students over the last couple of years and they were a junior at another university and they were so passionate about disability and inclusivity in their university. And they took it upon themselves to do a bunch of work and they made progress. And that's really what we need. We just need passionate people to take it on themselves and uh, make change. And anyone can do it. And it doesn't matter what you believe in, actually. It doesn't matter if it's inclusivity or whatever. But um, if you believe in it, please stand up and make a change.
0: And great for people who are really visible like yourself too, Dinesh. Are you enjoying the teaching when you get the chance to to do that bit of lecturing?
1: Well, it's amazing. Uh, We get to teach medical students on the floor we get to um actually lecturing is a bit different now
0: it's all online uh, i suppose of course with covid another change um,
1: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but uh I, i actually think it's a professional responsibility to do that any professional or any artist or any vocational whatever you're doing i think you have a responsibility to bring up the next generation and teach them that's just a professional responsibility i think so but apart from that it's really cool to be passing on some knowledge and helping the next generation of doctors
0: and it sounds like most of the patients if not all that you've dealt with yourself have not really commented much about the wheelchair at all
1: all of them have been amazing all of them and i can't believe i'm even saying this i often am surprised myself They've I mean a lot of people didn't even ask me about it actually. Which is really weird. And awesome. The feedback that I have had has been positive and encouraging and so nice and uh it's really been an honour to have the patience that I've had and um to have had the chats with them. It's it's just been
0: awesome. You'll be giving some evidence to the Disability Royal Commission. Will that be mainly focused on the COVID-19 aspect? Yeah,
1: exactly. And it is a big and exciting thing to be doing. We were talking about how society changed and what we've learned. And I think disability is the other thing. That's, the pandemic's brought, about, brought to surface a lot of the underlying issues that were around previously. And it's amplified some of these things as well. And it's affected people from uh, you know, accessing healthcare, to education and employment, to accessing uh, the community, to accessing care. All these things have, there were already little challenges here and there, and sometimes big challenges. But the pandemic has amplified these things. And it's really allowed us to examine what's happening.
0: Can you give us a, a bit of an insight into what you'll be saying at the commission?
1: I'll be talking about some of the social issues that people with disability have. For example, what happens if someone is dependent on 24-hour care? And what happens when they or the people around them or the caregivers are affected by COVID? What happens to that person? There have been stories, for example, where such people in our society have developed some symptoms like a Sniffle or a fever and then suddenly these care agencies stop sending their staff to their home so now they're stuck and I guess you know sometimes the only way they can survive is to present to a hospital which puts them at risk again of hospital acquired complications
0: That's outrageous isn't it that people can be so vulnerable at this time
1: They can be vulnerable and even things for those people like PPE and then you know let's not forget people living in residential care facilities. So, Because it's not just people with aged care, it's people with disability that live in some of these facilities, and we've seen some of the challenges that they face. So we need to make sure that we protect the most vulnerable people in our society. You know, I, I always think we have so much discussion about social distancing and shutting down borders and isolation measures and all this stuff and people have lost jobs and people have the economy's taken a hit and all those things. But fundamentally, if you, if you break it down and if you tell me that you can save my granddad by socially distancing yourself and maybe giving up some of your comforts for a few weeks, I would definitely say yes. And I would think that every Australian would take that up you know, regardless of what we think about COVID and what we think about the economy and what we think about anything else, if you asked every one of us to stand up so someone's granddad can live to smell their grandkids' hair or to uh, spend some more time with them, I think uh, every Australian would stand up for that. And I think that's the way we need to think about this because people are dying and there are people dying in Victoria at the moment. And... I think that's, that's tragic. But going back to disability, I think we need to protect these vulnerable people because if they get sick, they're physiologically more prone to have a worse outcome. My lung function is really poor. So if I were to get COVID, I don't know what would that, what would be the outcome. I don't know. And if things really, really, really pick up, one of the other things I was, I'm was, i hoping to mention at the Royal Commission is healthcare rationing. We've seen this in the early stages in Italy. And there's a doctor in Texas that recently wrote a report saying that they ran out of ICU beds and they've set up a committee to choose who gets these intensive care beds. And um, there was a comment somewhere there that said, you know, it's better that they go home to die than die in a hospital. And they just, how, how do you pick How do you pick these people? I don't know. I I wouldn't want to make that choice. In Europe, I saw a set of guidelines that asks the decision maker to consider how significant a disability, uh, how significant a disability that a person has. And it even says take into account things like intellectual impairments, autism, things like that. And if it's significant, then don't consider critical care. Yeah, you know, those are big things. I think in Australia we've made efforts and our guidelines are much better and they say that disability shouldn't be a consideration. And if there are people that face these inequities in society, we should take an approach where we try to remedy those inequities when trying to allocate resources.
0: And good to raise that red flag, I, 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 exactly. I think, at a, at a forum such as the Commission that this this could be a slippery slope if we're not careful of really what what are our values in this
1: exactly it's a risk i'm really proud of the way that we've managed in this country i feel lucky to be here and i think you know we take a much more humanistic approach to what we do but this is happening around the world and like you said it's a risk
0: would you encourage other people to also consider giving evidence to the royal commission daunting as a prospect that is
1: oh yeah it's a it's a hugely daunting thing and I've spoken to a few people that have said look I'm just too scared I don't know what will happen to me I'll never be able to work again I'll never be able to do this and I know it's super scary but we need to get these stories out there we need to we need to talk about this and we need to uh, we need to fix things and we need to put it out in the open. I know it's scary, and I hope, and I understand, I also understand that um, you don't want, you know, you, you, people worried. But um, there are legal protections in place, and there are support structures in place, and if by telling your story, I think there is so much good that can come to our society. Um, I would really encourage you to think about it
0: and there's counseling in place for people who need it from giving evidence as well
1: yeah absolutely there's counseling there's there's just an incredible support structure around it so you know even for me i think the support that the royal commission has put in place was has been really comprehensive to say the least so uh, i would i would really encourage you to tell your story
0: so if people have that experience or or know someone who's had that experience I suppose too of abuse neglect um, of difficulties with having a disability in Australia and what they've faced to, to to tell their story
1: yeah because without the stories you know we 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 need stories they're powerful your story is powerful please tell it
0: With Griffith University as well, I think I saw that you had a paper published. Can you tell us a bit about any research that you've been able to do?
1: I mean, the paper was more uh, talking about some of the literature that's come out of the world and the risks to people with spinal cord injury and disabilities and um, risks around healthcare rationing and all those kind of things. And it was just talking about how we need to be mindful, um, more from a perspective of an emergency medicine um, resident, One of the challenges actually is that there is a scarcity of data around people with disability and COVID-19. You know, if you look at spinal cord injury, we don't really have much other than just a few case reports from around the world that talk about how people with spinal cord injury with COVID-19 infections. So we probably need to be a bit more aggressive with our data collection there is a really exciting project happening with the emergency department and COVID-19 that I'm an investigator of and we'll be looking at some interesting things there more from a a medical and physiological perspective.
0: And with the spinal cord research is it good to be part of Griffith with that quite world-renowned centre as well and you've been able to liaise with that?
1: Yeah talk about being in the right place at the right time like I'm, I'm on the Gold Coast or the part of Griffith. It's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? And I also have a mentor who is a very well-regarded and renowned spinal cord researcher from the Harvard University, where I was a visiting student for a period of time. So even just having him and everything else, it's, it's almost like fate.
0: So it sounds like you've absolutely landed in the right place, uh, Dinesh, if I say so. You've got, you're on the front line, essentially, but you're also able to, to be reflective and to do that important data gathering and, and research from a university perspective.
1: You have to look at the opportunities that you have, and you have to look at, one of the philosophies that I t- try to take through in my life is gratitude, and every morning I. Th- Wake up, and before I open my eyes, I try to think about a few things that I'm grateful for. And when you look at life in that way, I I realize that I'm in a very fortunate position where I can hopefully make a difference and make an impact on something that will help our community.
0: Well, it's been wonderful chatting with you today too, Dinesh. And can you tell us what uh, the future holds? What are you, or is it sort of pandemic uh, time and we're all hunkering down a bit at the moment really, aren't we?
1: So medicine's obviously something I will always keep doing, clinical medicine, because I love it. I finished the admissions course um, as a lawyer because I finished my law degree, but I didn't do the admissions and the admission ceremony is due next month, which is really exciting.
0: Congratulations!
1: Thank you. Um, I don't plan to practice law, but I just it, it felt incomplete, so I um, am doing that. The big dream stuff is the spinal cord injury research that we're doing. I am hoping that I will be able to stand again one day, and that that's the big big blue sky stuff that we're doing at the moment and of course doing whatever I can to help make the world a bit more equitable for everyone because I think what the world gives you is an opportunity and a privilege and you have to see it that way and if I have the opportunity to do what I can to make things better I I, want to do that.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dinesh. It's been wonderful chatting with you and looking at the the beautiful view of the Gold Coast from, from your house. Is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Well, I guess the most important thing I want to say is that we all have this amazing power and potential within us. I read this book a while ago called The Diamond Cutter, And it was talking about how a diamond is actually a pretty ugly rock when you get it out of the ground. And it's full of dirt and it's not a nice shape and the light doesn't shine through it. But you can turn it into whatever you want. And when you cut it, and when you cut it perfectly, you just get this amazing, shiny, bright thing that turns everyone's head. And it's radiant and I think we we all have the potential to do that and we all have the potential to be like that I think if we all find our passion and if we all start to see the world differently because we we have the choice to shape the way we see the world like a diamond and um, if we all spend a lifetime giving back and giving to each other I think We have the potential to create this amazing, amazing world, and I would love to see that.
0: That was Dinesh Palapana speaking to us from his Gold Coast home for Streets of Your Town.